Well, let me pray, and then we're going to continue on in our series. Father, we just thank you for your Holy Spirit uh, that guides us, that comforts us, that counsels us, blesses us, guides us into truth, convicts us, empowers us, fills us with grace and wisdom. We are nothing without the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for the power and the love and the sound mind that we have that lives inside of us all through the Holy Spirit. We love you so much. We pray that your word would not come back void. It would accomplish everything that you intended it to do. I pray that you hide me behind the cross so that only you could be seen or heard. And I pray that your Holy Spirit would speak to everyone in this room tonight and that your voice, your leading, your guidance, your truth will be the only thing that we hear and receive and live out in our lives. Have your way in this place. Fill us with your glory. Fill us again and again and again. Empower us and lead us. Lead us to the cross. Help us stop running from the cross and help us run to the cross. Empower us with your truth and your grace. Help us live a life full of the Spirit so we don't get caught up in anything that would keep us apart from you and therefore struggle and suffer because we are beyond and outside of your will. So we pray for your will to be done. And we pray that you would rule and reign in this place and in the hearts of everyone watching and listening. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we're going to go for a ride tonight. Uh, I want to welcome everyone that's watching online. Uh, I want to thank you guys for being here last week. Uh, didn't Nico do a great job with her testimony? And uh, that was an amazing job. I watched it online from Kentucky, and uh, it was just awesome. Had a great vacation with my kids, uh, Carson and, and Claire, my granddaughter and grandson. Carson is just awesome. But I want to welcome everyone back to our series. Welcome back to our discipleship series. We're doing a discipleship series on change. We're talking about change. It's based on Anchor 6. Put it up on the screen. Anchor 6, allow God to make the transformation changes he wants to make and stop trying to make them on my own. Now, transformation is another word for discipleship. And disciples are what? They're constantly being changed. And we learned the first week that change equals discipleship. Then we talked about how change equals grace. And then we had a great worship experience with Donovan and Nico last week, and you heard a testimony of someone who was really full and empowered by the Holy Spirit, and on top of that, she could sing. And we thank, and we thank God for Nico coming in here and sharing her testimony. And today we're going to talk about how change equals the Holy Spirit. So, to start tonight's talk on the Holy Spirit, I want each and every one of you to open up your Bibles to the book of Galatians. By the way, if you come to encounter, bring your Bibles. If you're not going to bring your Bibles, that tells me that you have no interest in getting discipled. Bring your Bibles every Friday. I need you to, I need you to follow along in your Bibles. I need you, there are some screen, scriptures I put on the screens, and there are some scriptures I don't put on the screens. But I need you to take whatever we teach here, whether it's on the screen or not, and look and study those scriptures during the week in your Bibles. You have to let the Word of God 
you have to get into the Word of God, and you've got to let God's Word get into you. So we're going to turn to the book of Galatians. You follow in the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Go to Romans, Corinthians. Then you'll find Galatians, okay? Now here's a teaching moment for the book of Galatians, okay? It's, uh, the book of Galatians is, is essentially a book of rebuke. It's a book where the Apostle Paul is really teed off. I mean, he's really, really upset. And he's upset for good reason. Paul's essential message that we talked about a couple weeks ago, the message of the gospel of grace, that we're justified by faith rather than human works, rather than works. We're saved by faith, not by works, Ephesians 2.8, so that no one can boast. Well, this teaching that Paul is essentially going around was being rebuked and denied by legalistic Jews who insisted that Christians must keep the Mosaic law. And so there were a bunch of Jews going around saying, no, 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 don't listen to Paul. So in, in simpler terms, legalistic Jews were promoting works and self to get you into heaven instead of grace and the Holy Spirit, which was Paul, what Paul was preaching, which is the truth, which is the gospel of grace. Now the church, because of this, in Galatia, was facing a theological crisis. And Paul doesn't waste a single word getting to the heart of the matter. Now, up to this point, or if you look at all of his other letters, all of his other letters were fluff and puff and, oh, let the Lord, let the peace and the grace of the Lord, oh, I love you so much. I pray for you all the time. I'm so thankful for all that you do. The book of Galatians starts out a little differently. Here's a couple excerpts. Paul says in Galatians 1, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you by gr the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel, which is no gospel at all. Evidently, some people are throwing you into confusion and are trying to pervert the gospel of Christ. But watch what he says. But even if we or an angel from heaven should preach a gospel other than the one we preach to you, let him be eternally condemned. Those are nice words. As we have already said, so now I say it again. If anyone is preaching to you a gospel other than what you accepted, let him be eternally condemned. Those are pretty harsh words. He goes on in chapter 3. You foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Before your very eyes, Jesus Christ was clearly portrayed as crucified. He said, I would like to learn just one thing from you. Did you receive the Spirit by observing the law or by believing what you heard? Are you so foolish? After beginning with the Spirit, are you now trying to attain your goal by human effort? Have you suffered so much for nothing if it really was for nothing? Does God give you his spirit and work miracles among you because you observe the law or because you believe what you have heard? He goes on to say in chapter 5, it is for freedom that Christ has set us free. Stand firm and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. That's following the law. That's trusting in yourself and not in the Holy Spirit. Mark my words. I, Paul, tell you that if you let yourselves be circumcised, in other words, go back to the law, live by the law, Christ will be of no value to you at all. 
Again, I declare to every man who lets himself be circumcised that he is obligated to obey the whole law. You who are trying to be justified by law have been alienated from Christ. You have fallen away from grace. But by faith we eagerly await through the Spirit the righteousness for which we hope. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So, those are pretty harsh words. Pretty direct rebuke from the Apostle Paul. And what, I'll tell you what a great leader does. When a great leader rebukes somebody and says, here's what you're doing wrong, a great leader will always give instructions as far as, so what, here's what you need to do. Here's what you're doing wrong, but here's what I need you to do. Here's what you've been wrong about, but here's the truth that you now need to live out. And so I want to pick it up in Galatians 5.16, and here's, and here's Paul's counsel after his rebuke. And Paul says this, so I say, in response to the first five chapters, so I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your, your lives. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit, everybody say the Spirit. Who's he talking about? Not Casper, he's talking about the Holy Spirit. The sinful nature, Myra, control yourself. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit, the Holy Spirit, gives us desires that are the opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other. So you're not free to carry out good intentions. You can have the best intentions in the world. If you're not filled with the Spirit, Spirit-guided, Spirit-empowered, Spirit-minded, doesn't matter how many promises you make, no matter how good your intentions are, you will fall flat on your face. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you are directed by the Spirit, everybody say directed by the Spirit. You are not under obligation to the law of Moses. This is what these legalistic Jews were preaching. But when you, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outburst of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and others like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living, notice that it says living, that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. But, there's more good news. The Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Change happens from the inside out. Change equals the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit produces, you can't do this, produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. How many people would like more of those things in your life and in your relationships? I do. He goes on to say that those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed... We talk about this a lot, trusting in the 
finished work of Christ, those who belong to Christ Jesus have nailed the passions and desires of their sinful nature to his cross and crucified them there. It was one or the other. Either you lived a crucified life or you didn't back then. And since we are living by the Spirit, let us follow the Spirit's leading in every part of our lives. Everybody say, every part. Every part of our lives. That's Paul's instructions. And here's what I've learned. I have learned that the most attractive thing I mean, my wife is, she's a bad man pajama. I'm telling you, she's hot. Okay, but the most attractive thing about my wife, I will tell you, is the Holy Spirit in her. She will tell you the same about me, because I can be pretty ugly. And the most attractive thing I've seen in other people, the most attractive thing is the Holy Spirit in you. And the standout, Attractive people are the ones who allow the Holy Spirit to work in them and produce great fruit. That's what it's all about. See, when God produces good fruit, joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, self-control, all these things, in you, he does it with a purpose. He wants good representation. He wants you to be a good witness to unbelievers. Why? Because unbelievers are not really impressed with what we believe or preach. They're not, as they are with how we act, how we respond, especially under pressure. They want to see how you handle stress. They want to see how you handle catastrophes. See, nothing makes the kingdom of God more attractive to unbelievers than believers whose lives are characterized by the Holy Spirit than those lives who are allowing the Holy Spirit to change them. Change equals the Holy Spirit. On the other hand, nothing is a greater stumbling block for unbelievers than believers whose lives are characterized by the deeds of the flesh. People who talk about Jesus, who say, I go to church, I go to this church, I go to that church. Well, I'm saved. But 2 Timothy 3.5 says, but they have a form of godliness, but they deny its power. Paul says, have nothing to do with those Christians. People have the lips, on their lips they have Jesus professed, but in their hearts they have no intention of living out God's word. You see, the Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. Anybody need comforting lately? Anybody need to be comforted? The Bible calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. Jesus calls the Holy Spirit the comforter. The word comfort in the Greek literally means to strengthen by being with. Strengthened by being with. The Holy Spirit strengthens us by being with us. The Holy Spirit changes us by being with us. Whatever you go through in life, no matter what you go through, he will never leave you nor forsake you. The Holy Spirit will always be with you. People always read that scripture. Nothing could ever separate me from the love of God. How is that? Through the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is with you. When you walk through the fire, when you walk through the flood, God says, I will always be with you. How? Through the Holy Spirit. 
Now, in the Old Testament, before the New Testament, the Holy Spirit would often come upon people, would move people, anoint them, would come and go. The Holy Spirit was there. Open up the book of Genesis, Holy Spirit was there. But in the New Testament, when Christ ascended to heaven, the Holy Spirit became a permanent part of our lives. He's always with us, and he'll never leave us. If you are a believer, if you have accepted Christ as your Lord and Savior, God's not just with you through the Holy Spirit. He's in you. He lives inside of you. The reason why Christians struggle, the reason why you struggle, I struggle, the reason why we fail is because we can never fathom the reality that the Holy Spirit, the living God, lives inside of us. If you would actually believe that and realize that, your lives would be different. You have dunamis power, resurrection power, the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead living inside of you. And yet you're walking around so powerless and down and droopy and goofy. And God wants you to be up. God wants you to be upbeat about him. God wants you to walk in authority and power. We're going to talk about that next week. See, God's Holy Spirit comes to live in your life to give you the power to live a life of hope and to change you. God loves you too much to leave you in the condition that you are today. Samuel Chadwick said Christianity is hopeless without the Holy Spirit. The Father sent the Son, Jesus. Jesus did his job. Three and a half years, crucified after that, rose again, defeated the cross, defeated the grave, died for our sins, defeated the enemy, did his job. Now Jesus is with the Father. The Father is in heaven. Jesus is in heaven. And the only form of God we've got that we have access to is the Holy Spirit. That's why Jesus said, it is better for you that I go. Unless I go, the Holy Spirit won't come. How's that better? Well, something was accomplished by the Holy Spirit that Jesus couldn't do, or Jesus decided not to do. See, Jesus only taught from the outside. Jesus only taught from the outside of their bodies, but he could never get inside his followers. He could never get to the root of the issue. He only taught into their intellect. He only taught into their minds. He could never really get inside of them where the real problem lies. See, the problem is always within us, isn't it? Out of the heart, the problems of life develop as roots. It's always change happens, hurts develop, strongholds develop. Everything happens from the inside. Jesus said, I have been with you. But when the Holy Spirit comes, he will be in you and with, he will be with you always. You see, the Bible defines a follower of Jesus as someone who has been born again and the Holy Spirit lives inside of him. Jesus is with the Father. The Father's with Jesus. They're up in heaven. But he didn't leave us alone. He left us with the Holy Spirit. And yet, when I mention the Holy Spirit, so misunderstood, underpreached, underappreciated, 
is the Holy Spirit. And the only way we can understand the Bible, when you think about it, the only way you can understand this book is through the Holy Spirit. The only way you can ever have the power to change is through the Holy Spirit. Yet, the Holy Spirit is the most neglected part of the Trinity. And everything in the New Testament centers around his power and work. For example, the church didn't begin when the, when the disciples began to follow Jesus. The church began after Jesus left and Jesus told them, go into a room and the day of Pentecost came and the Holy Spirit came upon them. That's when the church was birthed. I love the life of Peter. Peter's, Peter makes me feel good about myself because I'm a stumbling, fumbling Christian like Peter. Peter had great promise, great potential, but he was always saying the wrong thing, but at least he was trying. At least, at least he was aggressive. At least he was always the one to step out of the boat. If you, if you want to walk on water, John Ortberg wrote a book. Wrote, wrote a book. You got to step, you, you, you got to get out of the boat. Yet he was always misunderstanding Jesus. He always missed what Jesus was teaching. Now, did Peter have a great teacher? Was not Jesus the best teacher ever? Of course he did. Did he have the word of God being taught to him? Every day. Three and a half years. Over three years. Every day. He had the word of God being taught to him. Did he have a great model? Did he have the best example? That's why a lot of us think, well, if I just find a good teacher, if I just find a good preacher, a good preacher's not enough. It's just, I don't care who, you can find the 10 best preachers that ever existed in the entire world and put Jesus on that list, and it's not enough. What did it do for Peter? Well, look on the night that Jesus was crucified. Peter fled like everyone else. He even denied him three times. And Jesus even predicted it. Where was the three years of teaching? Where was all the discipleship training? Where was his faith? Where was his trust? Where was his loyalty to his friend? Where was Peter's resolve and strength? It was nowhere to be found. And here's the reason why. No outward teaching can replace the inward work of the Holy Spirit. No outward teaching can replace the inward work of the Holy Spirit. But when the Holy Spirit comes upon Peter on the day of Pentecost, he's a different Peter, isn't he? He's a bold Peter. He's full of faith now. Matter of fact, his first sermon that he preached on the day of Pentecost, 3,000 people got saved. Peter couldn't get 30 people to go fishing with him before that. And now we see Peter acting with wisdom and courage. He's a different Peter. It's all because Jesus told him, Peter, it's better for you that I go. Unless I go, the Holy Spirit won't come. So we do need a clear understanding. And I'm going to try and do that for the rest of the night. I'm going to do that in the upcoming weeks as well too. About the Holy Spirit. Paul calls Christians the temple of the Holy Spirit. Why does he do that? Because we are inhabited by the Holy Spirit. If God lives in you, a holy God lives inside of you, you wouldn't smoke the things you smoke, drink the things you drink, eat the things you eat, watch the things you watch, and do the things you do. And this is what makes Christians different from anyone else on planet Earth. 
See, every other religion or doctrine is an attempt to teach you their way of living. But Christians who really trust Jesus, who have really repented from their sins, who have turned to Jesus and make Jesus their Lord and their Savior, have the Holy Spirit living inside of them. That's what separates us from the entire universe. Now, one of the problems about preaching about the Holy Spirit is just appreciating who the Holy Spirit is. There's almost even a prejudice when I speak to people about the Holy Spirit. There's just one side, there's a group of people, and they they remind me of of the Jewish people in, in, in the church of Galatia. But they just want the word. Just give me the word. Just give me the word. I don't want anything to do with the Holy Spirit. Well, the Holy Spirit wrote the word. And he speaks a lot about himself in the word. And then on the flip side, there's another problem where people have made the Holy Spirit sort of a, sort of a religion centering around just the Holy Spirit. They get away from the word. And it's just the Holy Spirit. See, some people stay in the word. They're not open to the supernatural power of the Holy Spirit. And some people just fly around, oh, God's doing a new thing. You know, I'm just following the Spirit. I'm just Spirit-led, and and they get away from God's Word. Well, listen, if you just stay in God's Word, you're not open to the Spirit, you'll eventually dry up. If you just follow the Spirit, get away from God's Word, you'll eventually blow up. But if you combine the Word and the power of the Holy Spirit together, you'll eventually grow up. It's one of the quotes from Jim Simbler that I've learned throughout the years. See, Christianity is always centered around Christ. That's why it can't just be around the Holy Spirit. See, the Holy Spirit will never bring attention to himself. He'll always point to Christ. Jesus said when he, the Holy Spirit, comes, he won't speak of himself, and he'll never draw attention to himself. What he's going to do is the Holy Spirit's going to put the spotlight on Jesus Christ and make the things of Christ real to us and have them applied to us in practical ways. The Holy Spirit makes this book easy to read. He makes the the principles of Christ less complicated so we can understand them. It may be hard to live out, but it's not complicated. Now, for some, Christianity is all about the cross and no power. See, with the Holy Spirit comes power. And somehow people think that there's power outside the Holy Spirit, and there is no power. And they make it just about the cross. And that's a huge problem. And that's why a lot of people struggle. You see, when Jesus went to the cross and shed his blood, he took care of the past. The past is gone. All of our sins are forgiven. But there's another problem that we have to deal with even though our sins are forgiven, right? Even though our sins, past, present, and future, is forgiven, all of our sins are washed away, I still have another problem. You still have another problem. What about today? What about when the day of evil comes? What about tomorrow? What about when disaster hits your front door? What about when trouble hits? What are you supposed to, how am I supposed to reproduce the life of Christ then when trouble hits? By my own self-effort? No, that's why I need the Holy Spirit. How can I experience the changes God wants me to make through the Holy Spirit? How can I really recover from the issues of life, these hurts that have been with me for years, through the Holy Spirit? Always through the Holy Spirit. I will tell you that there's nothing in Bill Reeser apart from the Holy Spirit that can produce anything 
Christ-like or do anything good or lasting for the kingdom or anyone here without the Holy Spirit in my life. The Father sent the Son, the Son did His work, and the Son sent the Spirit. He's the one who strengthens us. He's the one who gives us grace. He's the one who empowers us when we're weak. He's the one who helps us pray. He's the one who guides us into truth, explains the truth of God's Word to us, is our personal interpreter of the Bible, helping us understand what the Bible says about every matter pertaining to every situation that you'll face in this entire life. The Holy Spirit is the one who gives us peace. He's the one who gives us power, resurrection power. He's the one who examines us. He becomes our moral compass, always leading us, convicting us, and guiding us to the cross when we sin. The Holy Spirit is the one who is exposing us for who we really are so we can know how deep, how wide the love of God really is and experience grace in its purest form, changing us from the inside out. And on top of that, the Holy Spirit is producing good fruit in us so that when the Holy Spirit is in us, we will know and everyone in the world will know that God has touched our lives, that God has changed our lives, and that we are his, and he is ours, and we have someone living inside of us that makes all that possible through the Holy Spirit. We are nothing. I am nothing. You are nothing without the power, love, and grace of the Holy Spirit living inside of you. I think it's time we start honoring and worshiping the Holy Spirit and give him his rightful place in our lives. Now, nobody has the power to live out God's plan for our lives without the power of the Holy Spirit. If anyone is in Christ, you are a new creation, not just by the power of the cross, but by the indwelling work of the Holy Spirit. So don't be afraid of the Holy Spirit. Don't have a predetermined judgment about the Holy Spirit. Honor the Holy Spirit, and especially do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Don't be afraid of having real love come into your heart. Don't be afraid of having real power. Don't be afraid of, listen to this, having a sound mind. Anybody need a sound mind? Can't have it without the Holy Spirit. 2 Timothy 2.17, for God, watch this, has not given us a spirit of fear. How many people struggle with fear? Has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, but of love, and a sound mind. Now, many of us look at that scripture and find it hard to believe that God can give us power, love, and a sound mind. And you know what? He hasn't given it to you. That's why you struggle with it. People say, I don't have a spirit of fear, but love, power, sound mind. And a lot of people claim that over themselves without honoring the Holy Spirit inside of them. See, when God deposits his Holy Spirit and you allow the Holy Spirit to work inside of you, three things that can characterize the Holy Spirit is love, power, and a sound mind. The only way you can have love, power, and a sound mind is because that's who the Holy Spirit is. And that's who lives inside of you. And if you tap into that power, if you honor that power, 
You'll have that power, you'll have that love, and you'll have that sound mind. Does anybody else need those things? I need those things. I want more love. I want to be able to love more. I need more power. I have some weak days. I want to be able to make wise, powerful, exact decisions that are godly decisions. I can do that. Because the Holy Spirit, nobody's got a more sound mind than the Holy Spirit. He lives inside of me. Hey, bing, bam. I don't, when, you, when you're wondering where God went, where's God in your situation, ask the question, who moved? It wasn't God. He's there. You just got to tap into him. I just went rogue. I don't know where I'm at. <laughs> Look at the life of Jesus. I gotta get I gotta get some Gatorade over there. You following me? Look at the life of Jesus. You ever, you know, it's one thing to study the teachings of Jesus. It's another thing, far from the East Coast there, far from the East Coast. It's one thing to study the teachings of Jesus. And it's good. It gives us hope for today. Gives us gives us, I mean, it really builds our faith up, gives us instructions how to live our lives. I mean, the teachings of Jesus are great. But you ever wonder how Jesus did the things that he did? You ever wonder how he always made the right decisions? How he knew where to go, when to go? How he did all those miracles? How he was led into the desert? How he, how he fed the thousands and thousands of people? How did, he do all, how did he live 33 years and never sin? I can't go 33 minutes <laughs> without sin. He lived 33 years. And never sin. And you say, well, he had an advantage. He was God. But he came in the form of a man. Not so quick there, Jose. Look, at, look what it says in Acts 10, 37. Are you having fun? I'm having a blast tonight. Come on, let's go. Acts 10, 37 to 38. You know what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee after the baptism that John preached, how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. And how we went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil because God was with him. How was God with Jesus? Through the Holy Spirit. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit. See, many argue that Jesus did all the things that he did because he was God. He had divine powers. But when Jesus was sent to us, Yes, he was sent as the son of God, but he was sent in the form of a real man who had to figure out how to walk in the flesh, how to walk in the spirit, just like we have to learn how to do. Jesus had to learn trust. He had to learn obedience. He had to learn dependence on God. He had to learn how to resist temptations. He had to learn how to let God's word save him in tough situations. He had to learn how to lean on the Father just like we all have to learn how to do. When Jesus lived on planet Earth, Jesus depended on the Holy Spirit, prayer, the Word of God, and His Father to accomplish everything that He was sent to do. And here's why I say all of this. The glue that held it all together for Jesus was the Holy Spirit. And here's what this means to you and me. Here's why I say this. Jesus' life on Earth could be summarized as one who is Spirit-guided, Spirit-minded, Spirit empowered. And if Jesus himself, the Son of God, needed the Holy Spirit to accomplish the Father's work, how much more 
Do you think we need the Holy Spirit? If Jesus needed the Holy Spirit, how much more do you think we, if the perfect Son of God depended on the Holy Spirit, how much more do you think we need the Holy Spirit to come upon us, to lead us, to change us, and to guide our lives into the perfect will of God? Here's what I've been learning. If you want to get close to God, you got to learn how to run errands for the Holy Spirit. You just have to. If you want to run errands for the Holy Spirit, you have to learn how to say yes to Jesus being the Lord, leader, and Savior of your life. If you say yes to Jesus being the Lord of your life, then you have to say yes to the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth in every part of your life. If you say yes to the Holy Spirit guiding you into truth, then you have to spend the rest of your life allowing the Holy Spirit to teach you how to love Jesus out of gratitude, not obligation, because that's the law. Gratitude is grace, which is the pathway to living the Spirit-filled life. If you experience the Spirit-filled life, you're going to experience grace in its purest form, and you're going to be changed from the inside out. There's no other formula to get healed, set free, be changed, and have the chains fall off so that you can say, when the Son of God sets me free, I am free indeed, compliments of the Holy Spirit. That's right. I'll drink on that. I'll have a drink on that one. (laughs) There are only two lives that people live, when you think about it. There's the self-life, and there's the Spirit-filled life. Which life are you living? If you're filling in the blanks, stay with me on this. Here's what the self-life looks like. That follows the law. Self-life follows the law. Here's the law. You break, one, you break one law, you break them all, and you're guilty of breaking them all if you just break one. And then when you're born into the world, you break, you're breaking the law because you're born into sin. You're already disqualified. And when you're following the self-life, you're obeying out of obligation, which is loaded down with guilt and condemnation. It's a self-reliant mindset. It's based on self-reliance which always leads to four, death. The Bible says the wages of sin is death. Proverbs says there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end, it leads to death. Living this way will always produce great fear in your life. And at the end of the day, all this, all this does is grieves the Holy Spirit. It doesn't honor the Holy Spirit. Another name for the self-life would be religion. This is what religion does. This is what religion does. Here's a spirit-filled life. Here's what it looks like. It's full of grace. It's empowered by grace. It's defined by grace. And when you're living the spirit-filled life where grace is changing you from the inside out, number two, you obey from a place of gratitude. It's your heart's desire to love Jesus back and to obey him. And this is where you don't do the work. That's, this is anchor six. The Holy Spirit does the work for you. Number four. This is full of life. Instead of leading to death, it's full of life. And this is and the opposite of fear is faith. It's impossible to please God without faith. This is a life. This is a life that's full of faith. 
perfect love will cast out all, all your fears. There's no fear in perfect love. And this kind of life pleases the Holy Spirit. And this is the life God wants for you. The result is living in the flow of the Spirit, therefore protected under the grace umbrella, which is why another name for the Spirit-filled life is relationship. So let me wrap this up real quick. Who's the Holy Spirit to me? Well, he's my personal counselor. To you, he's your personal. You can go, to, you go get counsel, and I'm, 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 I'm all for good counselors. But there's no better counselor than the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit counsels us by guiding us into his truth. And when we agree with his counsel, he rewards us with his peace and his blessings. If we disagree with his counsel, we forfeit his peace and his blessings. Two, he's my personal guide explaining God's truth to me. He's my personal guide. If something is difficult in this book, the reason why it's difficult for you to understand is because you're not willing to live it out. You're not willing to submit your life to it. Have you ever read a verse for like 20 times and all of a sudden you get it? That's the Holy Spirit making God's word plain to you. And although we need teachers, and all of us need teachers, and teachers are good, don't forget what Scripture says in 1 John 2.27, as for you, the anointing that you have received from him remains in you. It's the Holy Spirit. And you do not need anyone to teach you. But as his anointing, the Holy Spirit teaches you about all things. And as that anointing is real, not counterfeit, just as it is taught you, remain in him. That's that obedience thing. That's that honoring God at a place of gratitude. If you honor God and submit to God in every area of your life and allow the Holy Spirit to make this book plain to you and you're willing to make this book the authority over your life, you won't ever need it. Teachers are good. But the best teachings you'll get is when the Holy Spirit speaks to you. <sighs> Number three, he's my friend and he's not, and he's not weird. You know, a lot of people make the Holy Spirit to be, you know, God's looking for good fruit, not religious nuts, okay? And the Holy Spirit is not weird. He's not weird and he's not spooky. People are weird and spooky, not the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is loving. He's kind. He's compassionate. Four, the Holy Spirit is my helper. The Holy Spirit wants to be your helper. He gives you himself just like Jesus did. He gives you good gifts, produces all these things, patience, kindness, goodness, self-control, faithfulness in your life. Number five, the Holy Spirit is my God who desires a personal relationship with me just like Jesus. That's a big one. And number six, the Holy Spirit is just as reliable as Jesus and the Father, and he will never let you down. Friends, the Holy Spirit is more, is not just a power, but a person. He's not a thing. He's a person you have to get to know just like Jesus. And here's my question to you. As we sing, Lord, I need you, would you make that song a prayer? And would you honor the Holy Spirit during this time of worship? And would you just ask the Holy Spirit to come into your life and fill you? And you do that by asking Jesus to be the forgiver, Lord, and leader of your life. 
and he gives you the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you've never accepted Christ, if you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, if you've never repented from those sins and trusted fully in the finished work of Christ, and tonight's your opportunity to do so. Repent. Turn from your sins. And the promise of the Holy Spirit is for you, it's for your family, and it's for everyone that receives Jesus. And maybe some of you have done that. But you're sort of a little low on the tank of power, of love. Maybe you've not been making sound decisions lately. One of the things I love when I go to the South is that they have the best sweet tea in the South. They really do. And when they, if someone gives me a glass of sweet tea in the South, I can't just have one glass. I get a refill and a refill and another refill and my stomach gets bigger and bigger and bigger. But I love it. I don't care. And God says the same thing about his Holy Spirit. We need to ask for a refill every single day. And every single day of our lives, we need to ask the Holy Spirit to refill our lives, to empower us. Fresh wind, fresh fire, fresh anointing, fresh grace, fresh love. If anybody needs a refill, or anybody wants to be filled for the first time, Anybody wants to be forgiven as we honor God tonight? I want you to come forward. I'm going to pray for you. I'll stay here as long as I can. I'll pray with you and as many of you. If you all come, some of my leaders will come forward and they'll help me out. If you stay in your seat because of pride tonight, you're going to let the enemy win. I don't care who you are. I'm going to pray for myself if no one else comes because I need a filling of the Holy Spirit tonight. So let's worship. Let's pray. Let's all pray up front while we worship. And let's worship as long as we have to, declaring that we need not only God our Father, but we need the Holy Spirit in our lives.